Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. All right. Well, if you are just joining us, my name is Jeremy. I am the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Zeeland, Michigan, and we have had just an interesting week. It's been something that I certainly have never seen in my time uh, in ministry and in life, but it is something that we are endeavoring to respond to in the most um, responsible way, in the most helpful way for our community and for our nation. So as we uh, begin here, just a couple of quick announcements. Um, The first thing is, uh, with all the virus stuff going on, uh, we have chosen not to meet as a church for at least this week and next week. We're gonna evaluate for the 29th um, in in the coming week here. Uh, But we're gonna be having a gathering and a Bible study here on our website. And uh, we invite you next Sunday to join us at 10 a.m. for our live stream where we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6. But also, uh, with that, as we go through this time together as a nation, if you have a need, whether it's a physical need or a spiritual need, we would love to be able to serve you however we can. And so we'll have some contact information later uh, towards the end where you know you can get a hold of us at. Um, And also, if you are someone who is healthy and who can help meet needs, we'd also love to hear from you this week uh, because as needs come in, we want to be able to pair them well with someone who is able to meet them uh, effectively. Um, also, you'll notice if you're on our website, right beneath the video in the, in the right-hand side of your screen, there's a devotional um, that was written by one of our elders, Ron McIntyre. And this is a way that you can take the conversation that we're going to study about today and take it the next level with you and your family. Maybe you and your small group, you, you can take this and you can turn it into even a, a text message conversation or a, a Facebook chat with friends or even a, a FaceTime call with family. And so we encourage you, especially in the next few weeks here, to, um, to pursue Christ, to do it together, even if we're isolated in different homes that you reach out and you intentionally engage one another with the truth of God's Word. And so with that, let's pray, and and we're going to start this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for meeting us here. God, we come from all different places uh, in the city of Holland and Zealand. We come from all different places, even perhaps throughout our world. However, we are accessing this teaching right now, God, we pray that you would speak to us, that we would have eyes to see, and that we would have ears to hear the truth of your word, so that we might live as your disciples here on this earth for your glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have your Bibles, maybe a cup of coffee, maybe a cup of tea, and, uh, and that you're comfortable this morning as we open the scriptures together. Our passage for this morning is James chapter 4. James is a letter that we have been studying for the last several weeks, and um, I couldn't have planned this any better, uh, which basically shows that it was not my planning. It was God working in advance to say, here's the passage that we need to be studying for this day. And so our scripture reading this morning comes from James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And it says this, 
Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. I tell you, those, those words hit me differently on Thursday of this last week um, than they did earlier in the week as I was getting ready to preach them, although the truth of them have not, has not changed. I want to point out a couple of things to you. Uh, the first thing is, is this word, this, this word, this phrase, come now. Um, when, when James says this, he's not just making a transitionary uh, comment from one topic to another. What this phrase means is, is James is essentially saying, I want you to pay close attention to what I am saying. Because what I'm about to say, friends, matters. It matters for your life. Why? Because the topic that we're going to be discussing today, namely to say God's will is what I want, is something that we might dismiss as a normal part of our human existence. It's something that we might pursue without a second thought. It's something that we might even, um, we might even be challenged in the culture we live in, uh, in the things that we pursue um, we, we might be challenged to say, d- d- does it really matter what happens now? What, why don't you just live for the future? Why don't you just plan on what's going to come? And so uh, James is saying, I need you to pay close attention to these words. And he's talking largely to Jewish people who have been scattered throughout um, the, the area of, of Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem, going north, going south. And in particularly, the context here is, he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there. We'll do business and make a profit. He's talking to merchants um, traveling to a city for the purpose of profiting in business. He's talking to ambitious and driven people whose mission is found in how do I build something and have a better bottom line for what I'm intending to do. Now, James is not talking down or demeaning profits or planning. He's not saying that ambition or purpose has no, no, um, nothing to do with in our life. He, it's okay to plan, James says. He, he's concerned that those who are driven by the bottom line of industry, money, success, and living become so enamored with all of those things that everything else becomes secondary to these pursuits. He cares about what drives what you do. And for James, to, to have a life that says, today or tomorrow, we're going to travel, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, so that we can make a profit, so that we can build a business. He says, you need to have the right priority of living. One of the biggest themes for James in his letter is, is a warning to the rich. And we find this in chapter 1. In chapter 1, uh, it says, The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, but the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a wildflower. At the end of verse 11, he says, In the same way the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. The person who lives 
for wealth and for business and for what is to come in the future is someone who has missed the importance of here and now. Here and now matter a lot to James. They matter a lot to James. James, one of the things he teaches us in the first chapter as well, is he talks about how God uses trials to make us mature and complete, lacking in nothing. He, he, he gives us trials or he allows trials into our life so that we can become greater, more effective disciples of Jesus. Remember, God is in the business of producing mature disciples. That's what he does. That's what he is about. And, and maturity is a product of our faith being tested and refined. In fact, one of the best ways to grow in maturity, we know this from strength training, we know this from uh, sports, we know this from school, is that when you're put in a crucible or you're put in a time where you're forced to have to work through things in a very different way, when, when you encounter struggle, when you encounter hardship in your life, oftentimes that is one of the areas in which you grow exponentially. Um, James uh, cares about communicating this uh, statement. This is taken from, from another author, uh, but it struck me. God cares much more about making us holy many times than making us happy. And, and James cares about this end product of what does it mean to be a mature disciple of Jesus, not to make our, our, um, our lives happy, but to make them holy so that we honor God, so that we follow his commands, so that we grow in relationship with him. Because the more we encounter trials, God says, I want you to come to me with all the difficulties that you are facing in your life. And see, the reality is, is that James could be talking to any one of us today. He could be talking to the business person who maybe has a startup uh, going on and is being challenged in this economy. He might be talking to the executive who's wondering how they're going to care for their plant or their, their group of employees over the next couple months and weeks or weeks and months. He, he might, he, he's talking to the parent who's learning how to keep their kids at home now because uh, kids don't have school for the next couple weeks here in Michigan. Uh, and they're trying to navigate the changes of schedule because they'd been planning on baseball and they've been planning on softball. They've been planning on dance. They've been planning on all these things for their kids to be involved in. And now their lives have shifted a little bit. Um, he might be talking to people who are lined up at Costco 40 deep because they're just waiting to get a package of toilet paper uh, because maybe they ran out. And I hope that's not you. If that is, give us a call. We'll do our best to help you. Um, he, he is talking really to all of us, because we so easily can be inundated with the fears and the worries and the cares of this world. There's many individuals today who are concerned about the potential effects of the coronavirus upon our, our country, upon our family, and upon even maybe our personal health. We so easily slip into a mindset that looks, dreams, and plans for the future that we forget this one simple truth. We do not even know what tomorrow may bring. Let me say that again. We do not even know what tomorrow may bring. 
James is not putting down planning. He's saying, in the midst of your planning, remember, you do not even know what tomorrow holds. And that's what he says throughout this passage. You don't know what tomorrow may bring, what your life will be, for you are like a smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The rest of the passage, instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. So we come to this, and I, and I love this, um, this photo. It reminds me, as the mist rises off this lake, you see beautiful mountains in the background, kind of two of my favorite things, mountains and, and water, uh, and, and being outdoors. Uh, as a kid, my parents have a, have a pond out in front of their house. It's about an acre, and the sun would always rise behind the, the, the pond. And so you look out the kitchen window, and you'd see the sunrise. And on those beautiful mornings where the mist is coming up, the sun is starting to shine, and, and there's, just, there's just like this white haze. And you drive off to school or drive off, off to work, or you just be able to set and enjoy it. It's just a gorgeous sight. Um, I remember backpacking in, in wilderness areas in Canada and other places and mist comes in and it's there for a little while. One time we were down in the Smoky Mountains with some of our family members and this whole mist came through. And as we hiked, as we went throughout that morning, that mist began to lift. I remember hiking uh, with, with my eldest son doing the same thing. I remember being out at um, Holland State Park before and there's just this thick, dense cloud of fog around, but as the sun comes out, the cloud begins to lift. James is saying in, um, in verse 14, he says, you do not even know what tomorrow may bring, what your life will be. You make all these plans, but you have no idea what the future holds. He says, for you are like a smoke that vanishes or that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The word smoke here can be translated mist, it can be translated vapor. It's something that is temporary. We have a certain um, point in which God brings us into this world, and then there's a certain point in which God in His goodness and in His sovereignty, we, we, we exit this world. Our life is a mist, it's a vapor. How should we then respond? You, you know, it, it, it's a challenge because on the one hand, Many of us want to know the future. We want to know what tomorrow holds. We want to know what next week holds. If you were to ask me honestly, what does this afternoon hold? I would have to say, well, I think I'm going to be doing this, or God willing, I'm going to be doing this. Um, but the truth is, is I don't really know. And I think God, God knows the struggle that we would have with the future if we knew it. For example, if we knew the future, we might be filled with dread. It might be something where we go, oh, I don't know if I want to experience that. You know, I think back to the time in first grade when I broke my arm on the monkey bars. Had I known that the day or the week before, I may have gone, mm, I'm staying away from the monkey bars. But that whole process was something that I experienced. It's something I had to learn to trust. It's something that I remember to this day. God sometimes doesn't share the future with us because it could overwhelm us and fill us with dread. But I think there's an even greater reason why God doesn't share the future with us, and that's because sometimes we would be tempted to overlook the present. We'd be tempted to overlook the moment you are given now. And, and I'm not always great at living in the moment. For example, I come home, and the first thing one of my kids wants to do is come up and give me a big hug. That 
is living in the moment. But I might be preoccupied with something else that's on my mind. God wants us to live in this moment. There's a great danger to overlooking the present because we're so concerned with the future. So, how do we have a proper perspective on the future given this truth? Well, James appropriately instructs us in how we should approach all things related to the future. He says, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or we will do that. Pretty generic, do this or do that. But, but if the Lord wills, God willing, we will do this. Now, this does not mean that our plans or this does not mean that our plans um, shouldn't happen, meaning that we shouldn't make plans for something. It doesn't mean don't think about next week. It doesn't mean that we don't practice wise decision-making. It doesn't mean, for example, that we don't save for retirement because we don't know what holds uh, for us there, or that we don't take out insurance on our lives or something like that. Um, There are responsible things that we should do even with not knowing the future. We should not become passive with regard to the future. How then should we uh, act with regard to the future? How then shall we live properly in light of this? And here are a couple things. Living in light of saying, God willing, we will do this or we will do that means that our plans should always be saturated in prayer. Prayer should be the first thing that we go to whenever we consider the future, knowing that Although we have no idea what is coming, God does hold the future. For the future, or the future brings many of us great anxiety. And I've always been comforted, my wife and I and our family have always been comforted by Paul's words in the book of Philippians. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul teaches us that our first default when facing anything about the future and facing any anxiety or any frustration or anything like that is to pray. It's to pursue God and and, and to say, God, I bring this to you. God, I trust you in this because that is what prayer is. Prayer is an act of dependence. Last May, we did a sermon teaching series on the disciples' prayer called, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And uh, if you want to go kind of review some of those scriptures as we looked at what does it mean to pray our Father in heaven, may your name be sanctified, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us our sufficient needs for this day. Lead us not into temptation. Teach us what it means to forgive. If you want to go back and revisit some of those principles of prayer, you'll find all those things on our website in the sermon archive area. Um, But prayer should be the the thing which saturates all of our future plans. Um, Secondly, our, our plans should leave space for God to act and to direct otherwise. Sometimes we have this idea in our life that we'll go ahead and make plans and we'll say, God bless the plans because here's where we're going no matter what. We should always have space in our plans for God to say, that's not exactly where I want you. Have you considered this? You know, I think about the Apostle Paul, for example, who more than once he tried to go into one place or another for ministry, but, but God did not give him the clearance to go there. He, he had made plans. He was hoping to go. He was prayerful, but, but as 
he continued in his prayers and as he continued in pursuing God, God revealed to him through the work of the Holy Spirit in him, that's not where you need to be right now. Here is where I want you to go. So our plans should leave space for God to act and to direct otherwise. Um, third, our, our plans must always be consistent with Scripture, okay? To, to make plans and they go against the clear teaching of God's Word is sin. And that may sound really strong, but, but we have to remember that, that our lives as disciples of Jesus are called to honor God in all things, to honor God in our minds, in our speech, in what we do with our hands, and what we do with all of our bodies. The, our, our whole lives are to bring glory to God. And so we must always seek to live lives consistent with Scripture. And so any future plans should, be taken, should take into account what does God have to say about this? How would God teach me to respond with this opportunity or with that opportunity? Whatever is before us. Um, number four, our lives must be God-focused. One of the things that happens when we look upon all the chaos around us, the chaos around us, is our lives begin to, to just become concerned with every small thing. You look at this, you look at that, you look at this, you look at that. I, I'm reminded of the psalmist who says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the, the psalmist recognizes that help comes from God, but those first few words are vitally important. I lift my eyes to the hills. In other words, my eyes are off my situation. Rather, my life is incredibly God-focused. Um, next week, we're, God willing, going to study Matthew chapter 6. And the big verse in Matthew chapter 6 is chapter 6, verse 33. To seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Our lives as followers of Jesus should be incredibly God-focused in everything we do. That should be who we live for and what we are consumed with most of all. Finally, our lives must look beyond ourselves and our own needs. And this is, of course, a clear teaching of Jesus when, when, he, when he tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, to, to look around to those needs that are around us, to seek how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus here on this earth. Last week, if you joined us uh, for, for church here at our facility, or if you listened to our sermon podcast, my friend Kevin talked about uh, the passage that, that precedes the one today, talking about, you know, what, does, what are the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. You murder, you covet, you cannot obtain. You war and you fight. And, and he makes the statement, you have all this conflict in your life because your life is focused upon yourself. And the only way to, to right that ship is to come to God and say, God, I humble myself before you. I want to love you. I want to be incredibly God-focused, but I also want to look to others' needs beyond myself. In a time where, where isolation is being practiced, don't allow the fact that you're isolated, maybe in your home or maybe in a, a limited um, sphere at work, don't prevent that 
from, enable you, from enabling you to reach out to people who need encouragement, who need prayer, who need a FaceTime, who need a phone call. Um, reach out intentionally to people beyond you. And it may be more practical than that. You may be healthy and you might be able to help someone obtain food or something like that. Look beyond your own needs. And, and that is a practical living uh, principle for what it means to live here in this moment. James teaches us, instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it's a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. God, God wants us, and James is teaching us, to do that which is good. For an additional study, uh, you can look at the word good there in verse 17. And back up to chapter 13, uh, where he talks about uh, in verse, uh, sorry, in chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Who is wise and has understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct. And James then goes on to talk about what does good conduct look like. That's a great study for you to continue uh, after we're finished here or sometime later this week. So, what do we do? Well, I recall, I remind you, our plan should always be saturated with prayer. And um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and one of the things that, that one of the individuals was talking about is, he, he said, if, if something comes to your mind two or three times, it's a reminder for you to pray. If it comes into your mind once, it may just be a passing thought. But if you're confronted with a worry or a fear or a thought twice, make it an attitude or an action for prayer. Um, so plans should always be saturated with prayer. Our plans should leave space for God to act and direct otherwise. Our plans must always be consistent with Scripture, and our lives must be God-focused as we look beyond ourselves and our own needs to the needs of others around us. And, and you might be saying, how do I even do this? Like, like that just doesn't make sense to me. Well, it all begins with a personal relationship with Jesus. You might find yourself watching this video now, and you've never come into a personal relationship with Jesus by faith. And I just want to, to explain this to you briefly, because we are only given today. We are only given today. And I firmly believe with all my heart that the best decision you can make in all of your life is to come to God to ask God for repentance for your sin or confess your sins to God and to receive the gift of salvation that God gives freely to all who believe and trust in his name. The scriptures say in the book of Romans that we have all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But God has made a way for us to be reconciled in relationship to him, and that is through Jesus. And so if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, which means he is, he is the number one person that we love and adore and we serve and we worship in our life, that, that we confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Jesus from the dead, we can find and receive salvation. Salvation is God's redemptive initiative toward us. And if this is maybe the first time you've heard this news, or maybe it's the thousandth time you've heard this message, I want to remind you, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're standing, wherever you are listening today, God loves you. He loves you so much that He desires to be in a personal relationship with you. 
God is not distant. God is not far off from you. In fact, God wants to come near and he wants to dwell in your heart by faith. And we enter into that by recognizing that we have sinned against God and that we can only be saved from our sins when God does a work inside of us and we believe in the work he has done by sending Jesus to die on a cross and to to be risen from the grave and to live so that we might have life. God sent Jesus to die for you because God loves you. And if you take nothing else from this teaching, I want you to take that because that is the most important truth that you can, can live in light of today. God does not want a, you to enter into religion. He wants you to enter into relationship. He wants you to walk humbly with him each day. And that's what we want to help you do as well. Um, so if, if you are, um, have questions about that or if you want to engage with that, may, maybe this morning you've decided, I want to follow Jesus with my life. Would you send us a message? Would you send us an email? I'll give the contact information here in just a minute. Would you send us a note so we can get you connected with a, a local church if you're not from this area or so that we can get connected with you to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus? Um, for, for families and for small groups, I mentioned a resource earlier. There's a study guide on our website uh, right underneath where you are watching this. I encourage you to download that and, and make that a practical way that you can continue to digest this teaching and wrestle with what does it mean for us to say, if God wills, we will do this or do that. And so let's pray, and then I'll give you a couple uh, closing announcements before we sign off for this Sunday. God, we thank you so much that we can be in relationship with you through the work of Jesus. Uh, thank you for sending him to die on the cross. Thank you for making it possible for our lives um, to be reconciled, to, to, to be brought back into union with you through the work of of Jesus on the cross and rising from the grave. And even as we look forward to celebrating that in a few weeks here with Resurrection Sunday and, and Easter and, and celebration of Passover, God, we, we thank you today that we can live in light of the risen Savior, Jesus. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you encourage us to live in this moment, for how you encourage us to, to think about the future, but to cast all of our worries and our fears, all of our anxieties, God, they can come to you because we know that you care for us. Thank you for meeting our needs with great abundance. Thank you for being our God. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Messiah and our Redeemer. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.